Pow! Bonus episode right in your face. This is a Royals Weekly Opening Day Recap, a bonus episode. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and with me as always, the Taco Bell of people, my brother Mike. First, I do not recognize Taco Bell as the fast food taco authority, so I'm the Taco Johns of people, please. Okay, you're six pack and a pound, that's for sure. That's right, yeah. (laughs) Six pack and a few pounds, how about that? Uh, the Royals are on pace now to go 162 and oh, everybody, after an opening day win today. <laughs> y- y- so we're coming at you with a bonus recap episode. Why not? We got time, at least 20 minutes or so. And so we're definitely excited. We think they're definitely going to the playoffs, probably the World Series. If they make it to 162 and oh, they're definitely getting in the playoffs. So start start buying your World Series tickets now, Mike says. Yep. Mike, how do you feel about how the boys in blue played today? Well, I've got my little uh, my vi- victory whiskey right here on me and uh it was cold yeah it need was that windy. victory whiskey to warm you up <laughs> i know shit uh so not bad really you know the, the you thought what happened what, what kind of game you would get was the kind of game you got it was wasn't a lot of hitting um but it was good to see them scratch out a win uh especially since you kind of were wondering okay starting rotation how are we going to do but granky did fantastic um made a couple timely hits here and there and a great, some great defensive plays. And that's really, you kind of going to have to use that recipe to win the rest of the year. So keep it up boys. Well, especially the early in the year in April, when things are going to be cold, when, you know, it's, it's not going to be an offensive juggernaut out there. You're going to have to be resilient. You're going to have to scrap out wins. And that's, that's one of the things that I really love to see about this game. They scrapped out a win. It took contributions from all the phases. You had pitching, you had defense, you had timely hitting, There was even some small ball, some of it effective, some of it ineffective, but it was something to see them go out there and stay resilient against a really great pitcher in Shane Bieber, who was also throwing really well and scrap out a W. I mean, that was really huge. They're going to have to do it time and time again when they're especially early in the year, but I I'm happy to see that they're capable of doing it. Did you realize they were going to have McKenzie in the bullpen? I did not. I did. I figured they'd probably have him starting again. I did too. And I'm wondering why not? Because their rotation's not super deep for Cleveland. I mean, like, so I'm curious as to why he's not in the rotation. He might actually get He was really good last year. Yeah. And he might get starts this year here. He might do more of a hybrid type of thing. Um, I, I was curious to see, and this was the case for quite a few pitchers out there today. His fastball did not look like it had a lot of zip and velo on it. It was coming in at 92 a lot. Bieber's was coming in at 90 a lot. And I know that they're going to want his, his average fastball last year was like 93, 94. So I'm wondering, like, it must've been the cold. The cold, I think was playing with, with some guys. Uh, it's tightened up their muscles, making them throw not quite as hard, but it was really cool to see the Royals able to scratch a couple runs against McKenzie because he's a good pitcher. Shane Bieber's a good pitcher. Okay. So to, to get three in an opening day with windy con- with the conditions like that is basically all you can ask. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, it all started up front with the Granky's excellent outing. Without him, we really if we if we had Brad Keller putting up another five spot in the first, we weren't we weren't getting the win here today. Um, but it all got started with him. He was phenomenal. Five and two thirds innings, one earned run, one strikeout, one walk. What did you like, not like? What did you see in Granky's outing today, Mike? There really wasn't anything I didn't like. Um even the run that he gave up, they had to string together a couple of hits to get it. So there wasn't really anything that I didn't like from Zach Granke today. I have two words written on the rundown here, precision and efficiency. And that's really what Zach Granke is now. And yeah, he, he his location today was fantastic. It, kind of a big zone, but I'll take it. And he was working it like a pro, real grizzled pro vet performance. HUD loved this performance because it can't be quantified. <laughs> 
It's all about him being a grizzled vet. And he went out there and showed what it is. Yeah, he was amazing. Command up and down. And anytime an umpire is, has a zone as big as the zone that was there today, guys like Bieber and Granky are going to feast on that. And so the fact that he was getting calls an inch or two off the plate the whole day is really going to play to his strengths. And you saw him mixing speeds a bunch. Like you saw him, that slow curve was really working well today and throwing guys off. And so I was. it was nice to see him get out there. He was throwing it up there at 90. That's what we'll expect from him. Maybe he'll get to 91 later in the year when things start to warm up. But if he can keep running out performances like that, and they, they I figured he was capped around 80, 85 pitches. He'll go deeper into games normally if he can. I think he'll end up, you know, of course, he'll end up throwing around 100, 110 p- pitches most of the time. He's not fully stretched out today. But boy, what a great way to start an opening day for a fan base that's pretty excited and wants a big win on opening day. It was great to see him go out and do something amazing. The defense was great behind him, and that really, really helped. There was some slick defense played out there. Nicky Lopez made an amazing catch. Bobby Wood Jr. had a great backhand play deep in the hole. Michael A. Taylor was solid in the outfield on a very windy day. A tough day to play outfield out there. As ben Intendi did okay on a couple he windy did, okay. too. We, yeah. You saw the left fielder for Cleveland essentially give the Royals their first run. It was so windy and difficult to, to judge fly balls today. The Royals outfield did a great job with it. Now, if this team plans to have success, they need to play this kind of defense all year. What do you think this defense will mean for the young pitching staff as we continue into the year? Yeah, and they were able to get an early double play in that first inning as well. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. There were some uh, maybe one or two small things in the infield, um, a throw to first at one point uh, that would have completed a second double play that we kind of short hopped to. Mondesi short hopped it to Mondesi first. Did, yeah. yeah, but you know. They overall they were very very good. Uh, Wit made a great play over by the tarp. Yep. Um, you know, so if this is if it stays this solid, it's really going to then be about our starting pitchers throwing strikes. And Zach Greinke threw a ton of strikes today. I, I was listen. I had to listen to I think the first part of the second inning on the radio. And at the time I was listening, they said, "Oh, he's thrown twenty nine pitches so far. Twenty two of them for strikes." I mean, that is that doesn't happen in a Royals uniform. Like not for a while, not since he was here last time. (laughs) So uh, yeah, if they can pour in strikes and hopefully the the defense that they see behind them makes them pour in those strikes, make them go, I don't have to strike out everybody. I don't have to do, I just have to throw strikes. My stuff is good enough in the zone and my defense is good enough to get outs. And I think you're going to see that from like Daniel Lynch. I think he's just always kind of got that mindset. Lynch is a strike thrower in his mind, if not in his mechanics. And so <laughs> I think you're going to see that from him. I think Keller's going to try and do it. I worry a little bit sometimes that his stuff isn't tremendous. And so when he catches the middle of the zone, it can get hit pretty hard. But you're right. In Kaufman with a defense this good, the formula is going to be if they have to put the ball in play, make them put the ball in play. Make this other team beat you because – it's hard to hit home runs out of there, yeah. and you might as well let the best defense in baseball behind you play because they look like it today. And especially against an offense like Cleveland's. I mean, they, oh, I, I was really like sphincter tightening when Jake Brins was about to walk. Uh, I know. The catcher. I'm blanking on his name now, but the, the light hitting uh, Hedges. Austin yes, Hedges. Thank you. Yes. And uh, I'm like, if you walk this guy, <laughs> I am going to be pissed. So he throws I, I, up a fastball right down the pipe, and he gets a lazy pop fly. Like, I sent a tweet, uh, follow us at Royals Weekly on Twitter. I sent a tweet that was like, it, for, if you're a pitcher, walks are bad. If you're a pitcher facing this facing Cleveland's lineup, walks are very bad. If you're a pitcher facing the bottom of Cleveland's lineup, 
Walks are inexcusable. Yeah. You cannot be walking people who are the six, seven, eight, nine hitters in what is probably the worst lineup in the league. Right. And so, yeah, you can't be walking those kinds of people. But Brent's luckily recovered, got some strikeouts. It was classic Royals bullpen stuff. Like yeah. sometimes it was a little dicey. It was a little walking on a razor's edge sometimes. But those guys have great stuff and can get outs. With the defense, I did want to bring up that Mondesi throw. There is a pattern starting to emerge. He threw one high to Carlos Santana. He mm. went up and got it and came down on the bag. That was okay. Threw one in the dirt that caused a double play to not be a double play. And he had some trouble throwing the ball in spring training too. And I'm starting to wonder like, what's happening here? Mondesi throwing the ball from short to first. It's not looking great right now. Hopefully he recovers. Hopefully this doesn't turn into a thing for him. But overall, I think you're right. The defense was incredible and it needs to remain that way for this team to have any sort of chance at 500. Of course, the moment of truth for everybody, the moment everybody wants to talk about, the big exciting storybook moment was Bobby Witt Jr. Bottom of the eighth, he comes out, hits an RBI double to give the Royals the lead. Mike, what did you think of that moment? Were you excited? Was it? I jumped off my couch personally. Yeah, we were very excited here, and uh, um, it, I would call it the money shot, baby. It was just it was just gorgeous, you know. He's, uh, I mean, that was super exciting to see. Because I think he was anxious early in that game. If you watch the first two, he, swung, he game, swung at everything. He was swinging at everything. But Witt swung at three pitches to start the game. And then Bobby Witt Jr. immediately swung at the next two. They were both out. <laughs> it was like, calm down, everybody. Andrew Benintendi finally took the first pitch. That was the first time a swing hadn't taken place. Um, so, yeah, he was a little wound up. You can kind of tell. But by that third at bat, he was laying off a pitch here. Okay, now this is the one I want to hit. He hit it. Um, even the one he grounded out on, you're like, man, he almost turned that into an infield hit. Like you mentioned well, it the other day, that one, he's that one he almost get... turned into. Yeah, he's going to get a bunch of infield hits. The, yeah. I was thinking about. I thought you were mentioning the one he hit to short that had the 110 exit velocity. He no, didn't I was almost beat about it the out. one to the right side. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, he hit a chopper to the right side that he almost beat out because he's so fast. Yeah, they he clocked hit one it to over short. thirty. He hit over one to short. miles per hour. Unreal. Yeah, he hit one to short. <laughs> I think in his third at bat that was clocked at over 110 exit velocity. It was the hardest hit ball all day. Right? It was a ground out, but it was the hardest hit ball all day. Yeah. And so, yeah, just you can see the talent. It's just pouring out of this kid. And the ball he did hit for his double was up at his shoulders. It was a it was mm-hmm. a breaking ball that I don't know what McKenzie was trying to do with it because it's 82 and it's up at his shoulders. He recognized it. He pounced on it and he crushed it into left field. Good for him. I'm so glad that he can get that pressure off his shoulders right away. And we can just move on and watch him play baseball. But what a game he had. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Michael A. Taylor and Nikki Lopez for what they did leading up to that run. Michael A. Taylor takes a walk to start that inning. Which never happens. Which doesn't happen very often. (laughs) And then Lopez lays down a sacrifice bunt, which we can talk about the wisdom of doing such things. But on that, on today, where the offense is so scarce, it was the bottom or yeah, it was the bottom of the eighth. You can sort of say, you can maybe see why a sack bunt in that situation is beneficial and it did ultimately work out. And so, you know, great on those two sort of getting the job done there. Nice job for them. And then Benintendi yeah. comes up after wit gets and us hit. another insurance run. Yeah, Those two guys really had great days. Uh, Lopez and Benintendi both really had good days overall. So yeah, defensively, offensively, it was nice to see the, the bullpen had a great day. I think they went three and a third uh, scoreless, which was great to see. Barlow carrying the load went to what, like one and one third or one and two thirds. He, he, he pitched the eighth and the ninth, but not both of them. Not, not, I don't think full innings, either one or yeah. the eighth wasn't a full inning. I don't think anyway, it was nice to see him do his thing out there. What do you think about Barlow 
how he performed and the fact that they left him in for that ninth as well. Oh, yeah, because yeah, Stalmont pitched uh, before him, didn't he? Yeah. Um, or was it after him? No, it was before him. Before him, okay. It went Brent, Stalmont, Barlow. Okay. Um, I think Barlow is great, and and I think you and I have kind of agreed on this that the value of Barlow, the thing that makes Barlow so great, is that one, he can go multiple innings. Two, he's very reliable in that you can go back to back days or a few times in three in four day in a week, you know, he's not, he's not going to wear down and he consistently gives you good innings and, and that's it. He may never be the elite level guy, but he's our best guy. And I like that Matheny brought him in against the heart of their lineup. Yeah. I think what makes him elite is the fact that he is can pitch so much, right? Mm -hmm. He may not, he's not going to be elite in the sense of like the way Wade Davis was elite, where his ERA is going to be under two, you know, when he comes in, the game is over. With him, there's still going to be a little bit of like, is he going to get it? You know, but what makes him as elite is how much he can pitch. He pitches so much, 77, 75, 80 innings a year. That's incredible. And the thing about I've noticed about him, and I'm watching his outing today, I saw it again. He is like so, he's like a washing machine or a dryer. He just over and over and over and over again, sliders away, sliders away, fastballs away, <laughs> away, 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 away. Never wants to come inside on anybody. He just keeps throwing it away, away, away until eventually the guy gets out. <laughs> he yeah. either hits a fly ball to right field or he misses that slider and that's it. You know, like it is wild to see how sort of just repetitive and over and over again he is. And yet he still gets all these outs. He's still very effective. But, and they mentioned this, I think, in maybe one of the very few spring training games they broadcast. But they said they, you know, they were kind of asking guys on the team who's got the best pitch on the team. And several of them answered Scott Barlow's slider. And so yeah. if it's that good. Keep and throwing yeah, the damn thing. There are people who are like, you should throw your fastball more. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. He throws it enough. Uh, sliders, the money pitch. Like that's the one you got to be going to as frequently as you can. And yeah, it's hard on somebody who only has two pitches. Although I say that I saw a curveball today, a 77 mile an hour curveball or something. It wasn't a slider or either, either it was a slider and he was just throwing it really slow or it was a curveball because he was throwing a pitch 83, 84, which I assume is a slider. And he was throwing another one that was 77, 78. I haven't looked at the stat cast data, but I'm guessing that 77, 78 ball is a curveball, And I'm guessing they register it as such, which is great to see because it was pretty effective for him too. There's no game tomorrow, but Mike and I will be out at Kaufman on Saturday to see Brad Keller take on Zach Plezak. And then Sunday, it'll be Chris Bubich against Cal Quantrill. We'll be out with our regularly scheduled episode Monday morning until then follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Royals weekly. I live tweet during most of the games. So you'll get lots of additional content, great additional content. There's also stuff that I put out videos Top and gifts and content. Stuff. Have you noticed this content? It's been that's great. Out? It's been such it's been a great. step up. I'm, yeah. I'm put, I'm putting out gifts. I'm putting out videos, doing analysis right there on Twitter with big, long threads. So if you want to follow us there, you'll, you'll see a bunch of cool stuff or on Facebook. I put it there too. Until then, We'll see you all next Monday and be good to each other. Go Royals. There you go. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks. That's what our podcast. People are the worst brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel and I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming. And we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.